Welcome to Dig It. This is the speaker. I'm here with my co-host, the Sharp Edge and Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. How are you girls today? Hello, hello. I'm doing good. How about you? I'm not too bad. Trying Things to get calming, this through. Calming down over there with the fires, or are they still pretty bad? Um, in our area, it has calmed down a fair bit, which is really, really good. New South Wales still getting hit, but a lot of rain's coming through Victoria. So it's kind of helping us a little bit. Good. Yeah, but it's been a busy week, man. And then I'm going away tomorrow, so it should be fun for a nice couple of days. So, yeah, so I'm going to be quiet. Did you get your fishing gear? Yeah, I got all my fishing gear. I'm going out to the north end. I'm going to catch crocodiles. Crocodiles. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Be safe, get... Crocodile Dundee. Bring a big yeah, knife. <laughs> I'm going to get my Steve Irwin on. Yeah, yeah. No, get all your Crocodile the... Dundee knife. All, all Australians do it. Believe the stereotypes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what are we getting into today, girls? I think we're going to talk about uh, the Project Veritas. We'll talk about the Iran protest, the Flynn case, a little bit about NADA that's come up, the impeachment, Burisma, and Crystal Geyser Water Company that Corey wanted to talk about. What should we get into first? Let's go with Project Veritas. That's been the cover story for the past, you know, couple of days, first part of the week. So. Very interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. You know what? One thing that people probably aren't talking a lot about, but one of the things I was thinking as I was watching this is, gosh, the girl. I mean, it sounds like, in one case, it sounds like there's a male talking, but then in the other one, it sounds more like a female talking. So I'm thinking these journalists who are doing this kind of undercover here to get this footage that's got to be a little nerve wracking because this guy's full blown crazy. Oh yeah. Right. I mean, he wants to burn down cities and he wants to kill people and he's not shy about it. And he wants to put people in gulags. Yeah. Yeah. The, the <laughs> yes. People used to get a wage in gulags, by the way. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, unbelievable. Okay. Give the backstory just in case someone I'll, hasn't I'll, watched this. Yeah. I'll, I'll let Edge give the backstory because she's been okay. Undercover journalists videotaped this guy, Kyle Jurek, who is a field organizer, one of Bernie's top tier field organizers out of Ohio, who was filmed and recorded as talking about being everything from an anarcho-communist to, you know, an Antifa supporter. He's been to Antifa events. And he promotes really, really radical concepts like putting people in gulags and re-educating them. Re-education re uh, camps. Is yes. Killing. But he doesn't, but he doesn't feel that re-education is going to work. So we need to just remove them. Right. He talks about killing people if they didn't um, get re-educated. He talks about burning cities, particularly Milwaukee. I believe if, if Sanders, is, if not Sanders is not the nominee, hasn't he been paid something like ten or eleven thousand dollars through the campaign so far for his yes. work? Yes. Yeah. Well, he's 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 an organizer like most of them. So he's not he's not a nobody. And right. he has other people in the campaign like working on this with him. That there's several others who are very far left too. And in, I think it was in the video they released today. They listed off just the first names of about five other people. 
Right. So he talks about how he's not the only one that is extreme far left, way far further beyond democratic socialist. He considers himself an anarcho-communist and lists off, you know, four or five others in the campaign working alongside with him and says there's many like him. It seems like this is not just one particular case, but there may be others like this that are extremist. And yeah, that doesn't look good. Does not no, look good it, for it, the Bernie campaign. It's, 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 it's not good for optics. I mean, it's not Bernie himself saying anything. So, I mean, it does hurt. But we did see shit like that go on. People talking about Trump like that, white supremacists supporting him, stuff like that. It's not Bernie doing it, but there are higher ups and and O'Keefe talks about this. There are higher ups that were aware of his background, which include how extreme his opinions are. He does have a record. I don't know if they were aware of his record, but he does have a criminal record. Yeah, well, Um, if you're getting paid by campaign, you obviously should do background checks. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, And also at the end of this part two that was released on Tuesday... Um, it even says that they've gotten comments from people who know Kyle Jurek, and they made some really, really extreme accusations and allegations against him, such as, you know, they're actually concerned about him being really unstable and violent. And even, I, I, I don't know whether or not to believe this, but even possibly wanting to make a, a assassination attempts on Trump. Did you read that part at the end of part two? I don't that. I, that sounds I, crazy, that. but I mean, I, not that not that he would have access. I, I doubt that he would ever have access to that. Right. But just the fact that this is how, how unhinged this guy <laughs> seems and he's in the campaign. But let's just be real for a second. Is anybody really surprised that extreme leftists, like farther, the farthest extreme leftists, are supporters of Bernie? I mean, not at all. Not at all. No. Most of the Antifa crews and all that are Bernie supporters. Exactly. Exactly. He, 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 is, he is the most notable socialist, like declared socialist, out of all of them. So it's no surprise that most of them have support for him. Exactly. Yeah, and they say that they're very far extreme left, even further than Bernie. And uh, it was interesting because just a few hours ago, O'Keefe posted that Iowa... He says, Iowa, Bernie Sanders state directors are all locking their accounts on Twitter. They're they're protecting all their tweets. So are they going in and removing stuff, doing some cleanup there or? Most likely. Obviously this, obviously this is ringing some bells. So definitely. And I think that the case is that we, we're aware of the fact that there are far left extremist socialists, even communists, and a lot of them um, are Bernie supporters. We're aware of this, but maybe the mainstream general population isn't. So this is kind of a shocker to think that. Yeah, well, here's here's my prediction on it. None of the mainstream media will run this. I mean, we know we know majority of them don't want Bernie to be the candidate because it, it, a lot of leftists are still not socialists. They're still very much capitalists. I mean, Nancy Pelosi and all that's capitalists. They want to make money, right? Even mm-hmm. though they might have leftist ideologies and stuff, they're still very much about money. My prediction is they won't run this. I don't think they'll slander Bernie that much. I don't think they can afford to because they can't afford all those young voters to not vote in some way, shape or form. 
they need they mm. need his base and they need his base for the other candidates so they can't really smash him too bad they had an opportunity at the uh, debate on Tuesday night to bring it up. Oh, but they never got No, they were never gone. No, but did you see the clip from CNN where they asked Bernie if he said that about Warren about oh, yeah, the president? He said no, and then they, and then they just went <laughs> right into Warren and go. So what did you say to him when he said that? like literally <sighs> calling him a liar? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I just watched that this morning. Ridiculous, man. And and then, like, the funniest thing about that, the funniest thing about this outcome is you got all Bernie supporters there with the hashtag CNN is trash. I'm commenting on all their, like, all their threads, just like, oh, so I guess Trump was right. <laughs> right, right. Just smashing them all morning. Bernie supporters getting steamrolled again. That mm. happened in 2016. It's going to happen again. They're not going to yeah. let Bernie be the nominee. They're, they're not going to let Bernie be the nominee. No. So. so what's going on in Iran with the Iran protests and everything over there, Speaker? Uh, so I think we all know what happened during the military strikes the other day against the U.S. base. Right after that, um, Ukrainian plane was shot down. First off, Iran went straight into the cover. They lied their asses off for a couple of days. First, they said it was engine failure. So this is how you know someone's guilty or you just kind of know the mentality behind them, right? So first they lied their ass off, said it was engine failure. Then they refused to give the black box to any um, foreign aviation officials. And then finally, after mounting pressure, they came out and admitted that they shot down this flight. So in, in that flight, 176 people lost their lives. An absolute tragedy, man. Something like that should never happen. Not even during, not during even modern war right? There's too much technology on either side for them to make a mistake like that. It's not acceptable. And the Iranian people know this and they've seen this. So the day after that, it started with university students. They started marching against this regime, calling them out. I mean, they had demands. They, they, they want their leaders to resign. And I think they've also kind of used this movement to kind of show what they couldn't during uh, Salami's funeral. Because as we know, during Salami's funeral, CNN and all that were running all this propaganda. They were running all these videos of hundreds of thousands of people in the streets. And we know why, because they were forced to, right? That's right. how the regime works. But that's not how the MSM played it here. They were making it comparisons of Soleimani to Princess Diana in the UK. Yeah. It, it just just complete wow. propaganda, man. And 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 that's 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 the most frustrating thing about it is the Iranian people know the incompetence of their government. They know the corruption of their government. They're they're, they're not fools. And it, it's good to see that it's starting with students and universities. They know they're under a, a dictatorship. They know this. So that's why it's it's really hard to see these Iranian people standing up. For America in this situation, you, you, you've got the Iranians protesting against their government, refusing to step on American flags and Israeli flags, which is really, really big. Because if anyone's seen those videos, it yeah. speaks volumes, right? It really so, does. It's like those, the, that's an image that I think will go down in infamy. Like, you, absolutely. It's an iconic image of where you really can visually see change happening. 100%. And so for those, those people that don't know the significance of these things on the floor, the regime paints this all over universities and stuff. It's like indoctrination in sort of a way to hate America. 
Mm-hmm. Right? These things like American flags are at the at the front of doors. It's just indoctrination, mind control, like anything else. These protesters are not stupid, and you can see that. And some of the chants that they were yelling is, "You've lied to us. America is not our enemy. Uh, our enemy is right here." Yeah. So so they're chanting that over and over. So they 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 know exactly. And and those those sort of little things really challenge the regime. That's the last thing they want to be getting out to the West. And while this stuff's getting out, you have Democrats blaming Trump for this light going down. It's disgusting. Right, right. Absolutely disgusting. And mm-hmm. there's, there's absolutely no words for it. Well, and, they'll blame and- him for everything. So, I mean, that's just become a given. It, it doesn't matter how crazy it may seem. We can see the twist coming before it even hits. Oh, right. yeah. And, and I, I don't think any of us paying attention during these events. I, I, I think as soon as we heard that plane went down, I think we all kind of knew what happened. Right. I, I, well, I, I did anyway. I don't know about you. But the first thing that came to my mind is Iran shot it down. Of course. Right. Mm-hmm. right? It doesn't take much of a stretch. And even when they were lying about it, you just know these things, right? The next thing that comes to mind is, hmm, we know how quickly they're going to twist this and make it seem like even that was Trump's fault. Yep. Right. And, which they did. And yep. you're not seeing any mainstream media. I mean, you've seen a few mainstream media outlets like post about these protests. So like ABC and all that have kind of done little pieces, but you haven't had heard anything from CNN. You haven't had anything from MSNBC. Not like they do with Soleimani's funeral. Right? You don't see anything like that. It's, it's absolutely infuriating, man. But look, there's, there's not much you can do. So, so this has been spread to a few other universities now, and it seems to be taking off a little bit larger. But then again, it's, it's really hard to tell because internet and all that gets limited in Iran during this time. That's why you kind of see the same sort of footage over and over. Right. Uh, because a lot doesn't come out of there. And there's a few Irani, uh, Iranian accounts that I follow that are really good with getting stuff out. Yep. So I, I get most of the stuff from there, from people on the ground. But it's 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 looking good for the fight around. But then this regime, you don't know how unpredictable they are and you don't know how quickly they can shut something like that down. I mean, they're more than open to killing their own citizens. They don't mess around with this sort of stuff. Right. Well, we'll see what comes. But it is good to see them standing up and it's good to see them making statements like they're making. Yeah, so let's see what happens in a couple of days because like, I, I, I know you've seen a lot of them on the street and stuff, pulling down Soleimani posters, burning them, which, which is another big um, significant sort of optic going on there. But if they get caught doing that stuff, it's a bullet in the head. So they're risking a lot. They are. Yeah. These sort of statements. That's brave. Boy, so we have a good Flint update here. Hopefully, hopefully dealing against serious corruption. So we'll see what comes of this. But Edge, enlighten us on the uh, the new Flynn update. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, my brain just went. <laughs> okay, we're all bloody struggling today. It's hard, man. Yeah. <laughs> People have no idea how much we wing it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I got two pages of notes here, so I got notes. I got notes. All right. All so right, the rest of it we wait. <laughs> so Tuesday night, Sydney Powell announced that she had filed a motion to withdraw Flynn's guilty plea due to yes. the government's bad faith, vindictiveness and breach of the plea agreement. So this is big. Now the motion goes on to say that the prosecutor demanded an admission and testimony from Flynn that he knew when he signed 
the FARA registration form that it contained several material false statements. Not only was that demanded testimony a lie, but the prosecutors knew it was false and would induce a breach. So Powell is basically saying that the prosecutor knowingly induced false statements from Flynn and mm-hmm. that the prosecutor actually concocted the false statements in the FAR registration form by misrepresentation, deceit, and omissions. It sounds a lot to, like to me like entrapment. Anyways, after Flynn refused to lie by saying that he knew the FARA registration form contained false statements, that's when the prosecutors went after him and his son using intimidation tactics and labeling Flynn as a co-conspirator. So this is their justification for the withdrawal of the guilty plea. You guys remember back in December, uh, December 20th, it was podcast number 26, we talked about the last Flynn update. And in that update, Flynn's attorney, Sidney Powell, had filed a motion requesting Brady material. And Judge Sullivan had denied the ability to compel Brady material, which is evidence that would have exonerated him. And the reason was because he was, the reason why he was denied was because Flynn's guilty plea. And so we talked about this as a possibility back in December, you know, of, of him possibly withdrawing the guilty plea before the January 28th deadline. So now that Flynn has filed this motion to withdraw the guilty plea, we will see if this Brady material now comes into play. Remember that Brady material was requested. They were waiting for the IG report to drop. Then that dropped, and we all learned about how the FBI, all the FISA abuses, the lies, the withholding, the exculpatory evidence, all the errors on their FISA applications, etc. A lot of that applies to the Flynn case, which they were not able to compel Brady material because of his guilty plea, which now may come into play. So we'll see what happens. Did you say it was January 28th? So the sentencing hearing was scheduled for January 28th. And now this new motion withdrawing the guilty plea requests a continuation of 30 days or until February 27th. So by the end of February, we should know more about this withdrawal of the guilty plea, as well as if this request for Brady material is now going to be in play. God, let's hope so. I would really like to see a happy ending with this one. And the amount of pressure I was just thinking today, you know, I sent, I sent Sydney a message today because I felt like, God, could you imagine? I mean, the amount of pressure on her, you know, like all eyes are on this case right now and she's up against massive corruption going on. So extremely hard case to take on. Yeah, yeah. She's a tough one, though. If anyone can do it, it's her. Right? I believe we will have vindication for Flynn in the near future. That's my belief. I'm going to stick to it. (laughs) It's a good one to stick to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to roll into the George Nader update. Some interesting things here. So for those who are new to who George Nader is, he's uh, a Lebanese-American businessman He's 60 years old. He has major connections in the Middle East. And he goes quite a ways back with the Clintons. During the Clinton administration, he served as an informal envoy to Syria. um, And he worked as a negotiator to try to help free U.S. hostages in Lebanon. 
He also did, because um, I did a report. So I did, I've actually covered him in two of my reports. One on his connection with the Clintons about the child trafficking in general. All the, all the various people the Clintons are connected to. And he was one of them. And then the other one I did was more recent. I think it was, God, wasn't it just like a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago from the other indictment, the other case that he's involved in, which I'll talk about in a minute. But we actually covered that in another podcast. So I'm not really going to go into too much detail. Um, I also did a video report on that. He had done an exclusive interview with Bill Clinton back in 95 because he had, uh, George Nader had a, a publication, a magazine back then. And then four months after that, in the April 1996, there was this tribute made to Nader in, uh, in his magazine in a congressional report. So, and I have a copy of that on my site in the report I did on him. But this guy is about as sick as they come when it comes to child sex trafficking and pornography. And so he was, he was in June, wasn't it June of last year when they indicted him on the child pornography charge, I believe. And, and it pertained to, well, several things, but one was um, a 14 year old boy that he had brought over trafficked over here from the the Czech Republic to Washington, D.C. back in 2000. Now he's saying, you know, that statute of limitations are up on that one. But then he admitted to possessing the child pornography depicting infants, they say infants or toddlers. So, and there's some really sick ones because I went in and I read the statement of facts on this just last night. In fact, I was reviewing this because they just released this this week. So he pled guilty and I read, I read that statement and then I read the statement of facts because there were a couple of interesting things mentioned in there that Fox covered. Several other news stations did not. But he pled guilty to the pornography charge, which means he has a mandatory minimum sentence of 10 years. And the, the judge can, can impose a longer term of up to 30 years if he chooses. It says prosecutors agreed as part of the plea bargain to recommend a 10-year sentence when he's going to be sentenced on April 10th. So I don't know what this plea bargain bargain. entails, Mm. right? I'm interested to hear more about this plea bargain. I don't know if we ever will, but yeah, it would seem like he has a lot of dirt on other people that we need to get. So I wonder if that's part of the plea bargain. Well, that's what I'm thinking. We have this other indictment sitting out there with him and seven other people. And that's the report that I did a few weeks ago having to do with uh, funneling money uh, over $3.5 million to Hillary Clinton's 2016 presidential campaign. And we went over this in another podcast, but just in short, so people are aware, um, it's from the UAE, the United Arab Emirates. And even though a lot of reports don't state that, it's, it's clear when you read through all the indictments and you do all the cross-referencing, it's the UAE. He also has you know, strong ties to Saudi Arabia as well. But in this particular case, they were trying to get in with both camps, with Trump and with, HR, with HRC. It's <laughs> such a habit with Hillary. So they were doing like breakfast meetings, luncheons, meeting. I mean, Hillary knew this. She knew damn well that this money was coming through. They were doing fundraisers, all these very tight-knit meetings and funding while funding her all this money. So I went in and I read the statement of facts on this particular case. And 
Nader admitted that he discussed child pornography online over the years with an unidentified associate, using the word wine as a substitute for child pornography to conceal the nature of the conversations. And they had this code. So what they would do is when they were talking about child pornography, they would say, oh, we like wine too. And when they were talking oh about the age of someone, they would what? add 10 years to it. What year, what year was this all going down where he was having these? So this was back in 2012. They had like a couple Gosh. examples, I believe, from 2010. But I believe most of them, I already threw my little notes out on that because I was starting to document some of it. But I believe it was 2012 between September and October, and he was here in New York. So these, these emails were going back and forth, and they were sending these disgusting links on pornography and we need to check wikileaks and like search like the podesta emails for the for wine i wonder right well, how, how late how late were the podesta emails what years were this oh goodness i'm trying to think of some of them off the top of my head i think some of them some of them would have fallen during that time 2014 2015 okay I'm assuming they went back quite a ways. Um, some of them back when I was when I was going looking into George Nader a while back, though I did scour a bunch of WikiLeaks emails with his reference of his name in there. That doesn't ring a bell to me. Not to say it's not there. I mean, I've got a lot in my brain, so I could have passed by something like that. H however, I want to be clear that in the the more recent indictments that had to do with funneling the money to the presidential campaign where they're talking about trades of cookies and stuff, just so people understand that that was actually a metaphor for money. Um, and they did not use wine in any of those chats or conversations. But the other thing they were doing is they were adding 10 years to the age. So if they were saying, oh, she's 22, she was really 12. So that was like this code. Another thing that I thought was interesting is they redacted the name of the other person that he has long ties with. So it's a male. He has long ties with him. And they go way back. And the email links that they were sending back and forth to each other were .coms. And the name is long because you can look at the character count where the marker line is. It's a very long name. And then afterwards, when that person was referenced and it was redacted, you can tell it was three letters and they'd put a period after it. So I'm going to reserve my thoughts on that <laughs> because I have absolutely no shred of evidence. But I mean, to me, it appears to be more of a Middle Eastern name and they tend to use three letters as initials. So I can't say for certain who it is, but I just found that kind of interesting. This just justifies all the Pizzagate people. We were all conspiracy theorists mm -hmm. thinking that pizza and hot dogs uh, and chicken and so many other things were code words. Well, right. now here we have evidence, real yep. solid evidence that they were using what cookies to talk about money and they were using wine to wine. talk about child pornography. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And this guy, I mean, he was previously convicted in the Czech Republic of 10 cases of sexually abusing minors. And he, and he was only sentenced to one year in prison. Can you believe that? Over there, you know. So, and then back here in Virginia, 1999, for transporting child pornography. So the point is, the Clintons knew full well 
who this guy is and his background. I mean, there's no way they didn't. And they were, uh, Hillary was accepting all of this money from him for her presidential campaign. So of course, mainstream news is not. They're covering Nader and they're making it seem like in all the headlines, they'll say the, what is it? The Mueller witness, you know, and the Trump campaign. And because yeah, the UAE and Saudi Arabia, they all wanted to make sure that they were in with either camp, no matter who won. And so at inauguration time, once they realized Trump was in and they were screwed because they wanted Hillary in, then they gave a million to his inauguration fund. So these people were playing it from that angle. I don't believe for one minute he had anything really to do with the Russian collusion, though I believe, I think it was all about the UAE and Saudi Arabia. And Mueller wanted to make it that way and they couldn't get anything on him or, Mm -hmm. you know, so... So yeah, so that's that's what's going on with Nader. And now we're just waiting to see what happens with him and Andy Kawaja, which is another interesting character that was part of this whole indictment, who also has very strong connections to a lot of lot of high-level people. So we'll see what's gonna come of that one. I'm keeping my eyes on that. So so bring us up to date on impeachment and barisma, Edge. Okay. Spont- <laughs> Tuesday, Mitch McConnell announced that the House is likely to send the articles of impeachment to the Senate on Wednesday, and the Senate intends to go through the preliminary steps this week in preparation for the trial to begin on Tuesday of next week, January 21st. So in this announcement, McConnell and the GOP leaders in the Senate suggested that there will not be a motion to dismiss early, stating that this needs to be a process where everybody is heard and the president has the opportunity to present his case. So Mm. we know what this means. And, and the the press did too. So they questioned McConnell and the question came up about calling witnesses and in particular calling Hunter Biden and McConnell Mm. wouldn't answer directly, but insinuated that might be the case. And he stated, we will deal with the witness issue at the appropriate time into the trial. And I think it's certainly appropriate to point out that both sides would want to call witnesses. I can't imagine that only the witnesses that our Democrat colleagues would want to be called. <laughs> that sounds like a yes. To me, it sounded like Hunter Biden's definitely going to get called, but here's how it works out. So the way McConnell explained it is the process is this. They're going to first listen to arguments and answers to written questions. And after that, then the Senate will vote on which witnesses to call. And they need 51 senators to vote yes on any particular witness that they want to call for that for that witness to be called. So that's what we need to look for is after they listen to arguments and answers to written questions. They're going to have a vote on who they're going to call for witnesses. And that's when we'll see if Hunter Biden is actually called for this, for this trial. I told you I wanted them to drag this out. Oh yeah. And I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to be streaming this. That's for sure. (laughs) I'm not going to miss those hearings. (laughs) Do you want to do a live stream of it? Let's do a live stream and watch it. <laughs> for hours and hours. They usually go on. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, that goes for too long. It's going to get drug out for sure. 
So this possibility of Hunter Biden being called leads me to the next story about this BS article by the New York Times about a Russian hack of Burisma. So the New York Times put out this report on January 13th that Burisma was hacked by the Russians. <laughs> now all the Dems and the mainstream media chimed in, Hillary chimed in, Schiff chimed in, Pelosi, they all came in lockstep and they were saying, oh, they're using the same 2016 playbook again. They're trying to sway the 2020 election by hacking Burisma and slipping in doctored emails in order to damage Biden. These people are so predictable, it's becoming boring, isn't it? It is. It is the same playbook as 2016, but it's not our playbook. It's theirs. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's the exact same template they used after Seth Rich leaked DNC emails to WikiLeaks. And the DNC had CrowdStrike analyze the servers, not the FBI, CrowdStrike. And CrowdStrike is the one who said, yep, it was the Russians that hacked the DNC. So I tweeted out yesterday, I'm sorry, I tweeted out on Tuesday, just watch. They're going to have CrowdStrike analyze the Burisma servers. And it wasn't mm -hmm. moments later that the comments started flooding in. And they were all saying, it's already happened. So this security company who analyzed this supposed hack of Burisma that <laughs> the New York Times is referring to in their report, this company is called Area One. And it was founded by one of the co-founders of CrowdStrike. No, you don't say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to read a couple of paragraphs from this garbage New York Times report to you. Uh -huh. Uh, so we can have a laugh. Yeah. I, I I actually had in my notes before you start that. So yeah, I had like all the things we're talking about today. And like number four was Burisma shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I was looking I was looking forward to my edge to <laughs> Yeah, so here's just a couple of paragraphs from this New York Times piece. It goes The experts say the timing and scale of the attack suggest that the Russians could be searching for potentially embarrassing material on the Bidens. The oh, no. same kind of information <laughs> that Mr. <laughs> Trump wanted from Ukraine when he pressed for an investigation of the Bidens and Burisma, setting off a chain of events that led to <laughs> impeachment. The Russian tactics are strikingly similar to what ha what American intelligence agencies say was Russia's hacking of emails from Hillary Clinton. Oh, 17 of them. And the DNC during the 2016 campaign. Oh my gosh, there's so much wrong with these two paragraphs. I, it's going to be hard to, <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't even know where to start, but I'm going to try to break it down for you. All right, so they say the timing and scale suggest, keywords suggest that the mm -hmm. Russians could be right. 
phrase. They're leaving themselves in out because they know they don't have proof. They know this is all a ruse. The report mm-hmm. itself by Area 1 offers no evidence of the alleged attack. It merely suggests the activity observed looks similar to hacks mm-hmm. made by Russians in the past. That's it. They have no evidence, no proof. They don't mm-hmm. know for sure that Russians hacked Burisma, but they just want to plant the seed by suggesting yep. it because they know reporters <clears throat> will not dig. So that's point one. Point two, okay. They also say this is the same kind of material that Trump wanted from Ukraine. See how <laughs> they did that? Without any evidence now, they're suggesting that Trump is somehow in on it, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so then number three, the Russian tactics are strikingly similar to what American intelligence agencies, key phrase here, say was Russia's hacking of the DNC emails in 2016. You see how they did that? It was American intelligence agencies who said Russia hacked the DNC. Well, there's just one little problem with that. The American intelligence agencies never analyzed the DNC server. It was CrowdStrike (laughs) who analyzed the server and CrowdStrike who said the Russians hacked them. So we're all pretty well aware that the server wasn't even hacked. It was Seth Rich who worked at the DNC that downloaded the contents and linked it to WikiLeaks and ended up getting killed over it. So they think that we are all going to buy this same old BS story that they pushed in 2016. Yes? Yes. They're they're that desperate and stupid? Yeah, they are. They are. Why are they that desperate and stupid? I'll tell you why. Because, and this goes back to the impeachment trial in the Senate, they know there is a high likelihood that Hunter's going to be called to testify. They know Burisma emails are going to be part of the evidence that's looked over in this trial. And they want to cast doubt without any evidence. They want to cast doubt on the validity of those emails so they can claim, oh, these Burisma emails showing crimes between Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, the Obama administration, and cahoots with Burisma, they can say those emails have been tampered with by the Russians. They can't be admissible as evidence. See? See how that works? It's so Mm -hmm. freaking predictable. Yeah. Pretty much one of my favorite favorite rants you've ever been on, (laughs) Ed. That was good. That was good. I liked the narration there. You like that? I like that. <laughs> oh, it's so frustrating. Oh, but it's comedy. It's 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 so obvious at this point. It is. It's comedy. It's comedy for us. Unfortunately, there still are a lot of people blindly just following and not really paying attention or dissecting, you know, on, on the left side that are blindly following what they're saying. Um, just out of sheer anger or rage. And I almost feel like half those people probably don't even know what they're angry about anymore. <laughs> I mean, how could they? They've been lied to and manipulated. They don't even they they don't even know what's truth or what to believe anymore. I know. It's but they blindly follow. Yep, like that guy, Kyle Jurek from yeah. Bernie's campaign. I mean Crazy. Uh, it's Crazy. it's nuts. Yeah. All right. Uh, so tell us about this water 
thing. It's the water thing. It's the water <laughs> thing. Why can you guys say it and I couldn't say it? Speaker got- wanted to call it the water thingy out the gate. I'm like, no, dude. It's 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 Crystal Geyser Water Company. <laughs> I I I get berated for this, and then you girls just go out and say. It. Take my life. Now we're just poking fun at you. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> so I felt like this was an important story to share, being as it has to do with arsenic in the water. So now in the wastewater, let me rephrase that. In the wastewater, but just so people know, it is in tap water, it is in spring water, bottled water. And the FDA sets the standards to no more than, I believe, I got to scroll down. I think it's called 10 pounds per, uh, 10 parts per billion. Okay. That's what the FDA states should be like the highest level. So just keeping that in mind, um, I'll come back to that. But so here's what happened. The Justice Department puts out this release that um, Crystal Geyser Water Bottler CG Roxanne LLC pled guilty to illegally storing and transporting hazardous wastewater contaminated with arsenic. Now they're out of California. So the investigation in this case focused on alleged violations involving the handling, storage, and transportation of the wastewater, not the safety or quality of the, the bottled water that we're drinking. So, I mean, they literally, that's how they phrase it in this press release. And I'm thinking, you realize you're going to leave people wondering here. So, so, the, so the plea agreement was this, of course, a fine, a fine of $5 million. Now get this. So according to the court documents, C.G. Roxanne obtained water by drawing groundwater from the eastern slope of the Sierra Nevada mountains that contained naturally occurring arsenic. The company used sand filters to reduce the concentration of arsenic so the water would meet federal drinking water standards. To maintain the effectiveness of the sand filters, they backflushed the filters with a sodium hydroxide solution, which generated thousands of gallons of arsenic-contaminated wastewater. So they literally built what they call the arsenic pond on their property, for 15 years, they discharged this arsenic-contaminated wastewater into this man-made pond along um, at its, I don't know how to pronounce this, Olancha facility. It's along Highway 395. So in March 2013, the Lahontan Regional Water Quality Control Board took a sample from the arsenic pond. And then in 2014, they that sample had an arsenic concentration that was more than eight times the hazardous weight limit, waste limit, sorry. So that was creating this massive risk to, um, to the area's groundwater and to the wildlife. I mean, they had this pond of arsenic out there. So the water board referred the matter to the California Department of Toxics, Toxic Substances Control. And they took their own samples and showed that the arsenic ponds concentration was five times the federal hazardous waste limit. So what they did is they, in 2015, they presented these preliminary violations and instructed the company that they had to arrange removal of this. So they go and they hire these um, two Los Angeles based entities to remove the hazardous waste and transport it. 
but they done that they did this without a proper manifest they didn't identify that the wastewater was hazardous material so they literally transported it to the southern california facility that was not authorized to receive or treat hazardous waste and dumped 23,000 gallons of this into their their sewer without appropriate treatment so the the two companies that were hired to transport this, uh, United Pumping Services Inc. and United Stormwater Inc., they were both charged as well in this case. And um, so CG Roxanne pled guilty to two felony offenses, and their sentencing for their their hearing is February 24th, and they had you know a five million dollar fine. A few things that are very interesting about this is so. Let's see if I can lay this out right. Okay, so CG Roxanne LLC was founded in 1990. Its parent company is Atsuka Pharmaceutical out of Tokyo, Japan, who also owns the Crystal Geyser Water Company. So CG Roxanne is like the bottling company for Crystal Geyser Water Company, both owned by Atsuka Pharmaceutical. And on their website, if you go to Crystal Geyser Water Company's website, they literally have an environmental tab and they state a healthy flourishing environment is the inspiration for our company. We have always been committed to protecting the environment through conservation and sustainable use. We employ environmentally sound practices in everything we do from our bottling at the source, right through packaging and delivery. Our spring water sources are critical to their ecosystems and we employ strict resource management practices to ensure that our use is entirely sustainable. We purchase the land that surrounds our natural water resources and uh, which are allowing us to preserve the health of the ecosystem, springs and groundwater. This is what their website says, but for 15 years they've been building an arsenic pond. Wow. Right? So a few other interesting things here and the reason why I think this is such an important story because you know, you've got all the climate change hoaxes and you've got these environmentalists and they pretend to be this or that, but they're really doing this or the celebrities are flying around in their jets and we just see this over and over again. Mm -hmm. And so that's one part of this. But the other part is Crystal Geyser, I don't know what level of arsenic was in their bottled water itself because they don't, they don't talk about that in this, in this press release. So I went in and I did a little research on consumer reports and it was very interesting. Um, so there's always like trace amounts in water of arsenic. The FDA, like I said earlier, it's 10 parts per billion is allegedly safe in both tap water and bottled water. But if it exceeds that, it can cause serious harm. So, there have been bottled water companies in the past, such as Penafiel, which is by Keurig Dr. Pepper, that had an arsenic level of 17 pounds per billion. Uh, they had to do a recall. Whole Foods Starkey Water at one point had to do a recall because of this. And, and I'm going to put a link to this consumer report because it's really long, but it's super informative. They did, this report was just done last year, and they reviewed hundreds of public records and test reports from bottled water brands and found six were at or above three pounds, 
And uh, the federal, they feel that the federal limit should be revised to three pounds or three parts, I'm sorry, three parts per billion rather than 10. Mm. They found uh, two imported brands where the federal government issued an alert, but the water was still being sold in retail stores in two states and on Amazon. And the thing is, is there are a lot of states where tap water is required to not exceed five parts per billion. So why is it bottled water, spring water, that's supposed to be a premium that we're paying for and it's supposed to be so much better for you, allowed to have 10 parts, but our tap water is only allowed to have five? That doesn't make sense at all. And then in 2010, the FDA conducted 371 inspections, but by 2017, it was only 209, hitting a 15-year low for safety inspections on water bottling facilities. And yet... You see the number, all the brands increasing. There's tons of brands out there, you know, selling water, bottled water now. So if we, if we drink like extended consumption of low levels of arsenic, it can affect uh, lower IQ scores. It can affect uh, child's development, cardiovascular disease, certain cancers. And yeah, so it's pretty, pretty serious stuff. And I think people should just be aware not to just blindly trust, maybe do a little research on whatever bottled water it is you want to purchase, you know? Right. That's a good idea. Just as a fun little side note, because you know me, I had to look this up. It's a pharmaceutical company, so I had to look. So in 2016, Bill Gates gave Otsuka Pharmaceutical 323000 and in 2017 gave them $10 million. <laughs> which of course pertained to tuberculosis, but... That is bones, crystal geyser water. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> good on, good little dick, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it's a really long consumer report, but it was uh, it was quite quite interesting. I mean, I didn't know. Did you guys know that we oh, have no. water? No. Watch the water, folks. Watch the water. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, good job, guys. Are we about ready to wrap it up? Yeah, we started off slow, but I think we finished off pretty strong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice, I think, we, team. I think we got everything in. And nice. you guys, you guys are going to be both taken off soon, so I'm going to be the only one holding down the fort for a minute. Yeah. You got this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got. Yeah, this. it'll be pretty crazy next week. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I just want to say real quick because I've been letting people know that I'm going to be, you know, starting to slowly release this book I've been working on for a long time. And I know you guys know, because I've been breaking my brain over these numbers, um, I'm tracing cash flow through so many organizations, it's not even funny. So it's kind of slowed my roll a little bit on this because I want to make sure I get all that accurate before starting to roll out part one, part two, you know. So just so people are aware, I've been in massive crunching numbers and tracing it lately. You have. We can't wait, but you know, it's more important to get it all done, get it all done right. Mm -hmm. And so patience is key because I know what you're going to put out is super important. So look at, we'll look out for that when you're ready. Good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, thanks for listening to us here on Dig It with the speaker, myself, the sharp edge and Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. Please be sure to share this podcast. We are now on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and of course, YouTube. We'll see you back next time.
right here on Dig It. Drum roll, you got them all wet. Yeah. No, no, no Move. Or anything. Move. Damn. <laughs>